Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. So, we're in our Isaiah Uncapped series where we are looking at discovering the goodness of God in the mess of life. And it's often in the mess, don't you find? The mess of life that we have a crisis of faith. It's often when we experience a difficulty or a threat, whether it's internal, external, that we start faltering when it comes to the promises of God. Haven't you found that? It's a place, you know, when everything's going well, we don't have a faith problem. But when, we, when the rubber meets the road, we often wobble in our faith. So we are considering Isaiah chapters 28 to 35. And I just want to give you some context that Israel, God's chosen nation, on the earth, the people who carry his name and his image, like you and I, are facing imminent death, destruction, and devastation. The superpower of their day, Assyria, is planning to attack them. They need help. They need rescue. And in planning their response, they turn to Egypt instead of God. So here we have God dealing with his covenant people through his prophet, Isaiah, uh, who is his messenger to his people. He's dealing with his covenant people on a covenant matter, and it is most serious. So we pick it up, the story, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1 to 3. Read it with me. Our stubborn children, declares the Lord. No, don't worry, you don't have to read it with me. You just look and I'll read it. <laughs> that always ends up in a disaster when we all try to read it. <laughs> Sorry. Who carry out a plan, but not mine. Yikes. Who make an alliance, but not of my spirit. Yikes. That they may add sin to sin who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction. Yikes. To take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Yikes. The title of this message is, Do Not Go Down to Egypt. You see, Israel's decision to turn to Egypt was a decision to turn away from God. Look what Isaiah 31 verse 3 says. The Egyptians are, say it with me, man and not God. And their horses are, say it with me, flesh and not spirit. You see, Egypt represents Anything we turn to that replaces our reliance on God alone. That's, every time I mention the word Egypt, that's what it's 
the context is for you and I today. Anything we turn to, to rely on, that is not God alone. You see, stuff was happening around the people of God in this time that was causing high levels of anxiety, stress, and fear. We can relate. Put up your hand if you can relate. Their future looked bleak. Their livelihoods were under severe threat. They had to respond. They had to react. But in their response, God says to them, you're carrying out a plan, but it's not mine. You're making an alliance, seeking partners, but not with me. You're heading in a direction without even asking me if it's the right one. And you are looking to something other than me for protection, provision, and deliverance. You see, beloved, this was a slap in the face of God. It's like me, who has a covenant relationship with my amazing husband. It's like me, when I have a need, I go to another man. And I get my need met there. And I don't turn into my covenant. And I go from man to man. And I ignore and neglect my covenant, my husband, my cherished, my love, my life. What should they have done? What should Israel have done when they were facing this imminent destruction? Let's look together. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were, say it with me, unwilling. And you said, no, we will flee upon horses. Horses represents things that look like strength. We will flee to something that looks a lot stronger. Now, Israel knew this. They were God's people. He had brought them out of Egypt through a wilderness of 40 years, another 40 years, through possessing the land, through defeating enemies supernaturally. They had the personal witness and testimony as a nation on the earth of God's goodness, his provision, his deliverance, his protection. They knew this. And you know what? So do you and I. We know what is in our covenant with Jesus Christ. The Bible says it's a better covenant than the one that Israel had, and we see what God did for them with that old covenant. We have a better one in Christ. We know this, yet in the mess of life, what did they do? They turned to Egypt. And instead of looking to God, they looked to rely on something way less able to deliver them. And yet, so do you and I. When we meet the mess of life, we often very quickly turn to rely on things around us instead of God. The Lord wants to give us three reasons why you and I do this. Three reasons why Israel did this. 
They're going to challenge us. So let me just pray for us. Father, these are your people, Lord. You died for them, Jesus. Each one that is here, you died for them. You are with us. You hear my words. And this is the apple of your eye. Lord, let me speak only your words. Let it be all about you. Holy Spirit, prepare our hearts now and our ears to hear what it is you would say to us. We ask it, Lord. We, we really seek it. We really desire it. We really want to hear from you this morning. Even if it challenges us, even if it's hard to receive, will you help us to digest it? Will you help us to hold on to it? We ask it together in Jesus' name. You see, in order for you and I not to go down to Egypt when we meet the mess of life, we must, one, often choose the more difficult option. Easy is not always best, but we prefer it. How many of you like choosing difficult things? Will you put up your hand? We don't like difficult, right? Wish that it was easy. I want to share a story with you of when following God meant I had to choose the more difficult option. About 25 years ago, I was living in Durban, and I found myself in a mess of life. Recently divorced, I was married. My first husband had developed a severe alcohol addiction in our marriage, and it, was, it destroyed our marriage. It destroyed destroying our family. And I had two young sons, both under the age of five. And here I am in Durban, and here's this mess of life. Now what? And uh, I had followed my first husband to Durban, but I was born in Johannesburg and raised here. My family are here. My network was here. So it made sense for me at this point to come back to Johannesburg it would have been much easier, right? It was logical. My parents were here. My family was here. I would have support here as a single mother. But I prayed and I asked God, I said, Lord, in this mess of life, how do you want to direct me? And he said, stay. I said, no, Lord, how do you want to direct me? And he said, stay. I said, no, Lord, how do you want to direct me? And he said, stay. I had a choice at that point. I was either going to follow the direction of God or follow my own way. You see, the road to Egypt, to reliance upon other things, is a broad one. But the Bible says narrow is the way that leads to Christ. Let's look in Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. It's hard. And those who find it are few. You see, the narrow way is more difficult for our flesh. It's the way of faith and trust. This is the road you and I are called to walk when we meet the mess of life. 
But the broad road is easy for our flesh. It's the way of logic and reason. And it leads to destruction. And this is the path you and I are called to forsake when we come into covenant with Jesus Christ. There's a lovely story in Genesis 26 where Isaac is on his way down the broad road. God's covenant man. He's on his way down the broad road. There's a devastating severe famine in the land where he's living. So he decides, I'm going to go to Egypt. There's food there. Makes sense, right? There's no food here, but there's food there. So he gathers all his things and he starts journeying towards Egypt. And God meets him on the way. Listen to what God says to him in Genesis 26. Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. This land that's full of problems, that's got no food, that's in devastation and famine, dwell there. And I will be with you and bless you. But how, Lord, there's a severe famine. Don't you see it? And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. God redirects Isaac in his mess. And in redirecting him, notice that he brings him back to covenant. He says, I will establish the oath I swore to Abraham, your father. You see, in our difficult places, in our places of, of panic, anxiety, high stress, our covenant must direct our path. Our covenant promises, our covenant in Christ Jesus, not our logic and reason. Our logic and reason is going to lead you onto the broad road. Isaac changes his response to his crisis and his mess. He heeds the word of God. He stays in the land. And this is the result to Genesis 26. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him and the man became rich in a famine, in a famine. You see, the broad road leads to Egypt. It leads to our reliance upon things other than God. The narrow road forces us to rely on God alone. Choosing it taught Isaac an important faith lesson. Rely on God. Choosing it taught me an important lesson all those years ago. To rely on God alone. And I grew significantly in my spiritual life as a result. You see, to not go down to Egypt means we must often choose the more difficult way. But it also means, number two, we must wait longer than we want to. Who likes waiting? Anybody here love waiting? Hmm. Our flesh doesn't like waiting. Yet, over and over again, from the first page in the Bible to the last page in the Bible, the Holy Spirit exhorts you and I, wait for God. Wait on God. Wait for God. In fact, I encourage you to go and do a word search in your Bibles. Wait 
for God and let the Lord minister to you and how many times we are exhorted to wait for God. You see, going down to Egypt means we make our own way. And we're either making our own way into something we want now or out of something we don't want to be in now. And usually, when we make our own way, we base it on what we know, what we see. And we know that we are wholly limited and restricted. Yet, that is how we live our lives when we go down to Egypt. And oftentimes, you and I, like Sarah and Abraham, they wanted a child. God had promised them a child, but they grew tired of waiting. And so they got themselves into all sorts of what I call spiritual gymnastics. We have this promise of God, but maybe, maybe God's waiting for us to do something. Maybe we are supposed to do this, or maybe he didn't really mean that. Maybe he meant something else. Like, let's look at that word again. Are you sure, Abraham? Were you fully there when he said that to you? Did he not maybe say so they hatch a plan. And Sarah says, listen, you marry my servant Hagar. You have a baby with her. And listen, it worked. They had a baby. Ishmael, there he was. But now there's tensions in the house. And it's a drama. And eventually Abraham and Sarah end up throwing out his wife and his son. And God must come in and fix up the mess. What about us? How many times do we make our own way into something or out of something? I know I have many times something I want now, something I'm trying to reason and logic into being, the promises of God. How, how are we resisting, waiting for God? You see, the word of God says that it's by faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. I wish it didn't say that. If I was writing the Bible, I wouldn't have this in here. I wish with all my heart it wasn't through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. I wish it was logic and reason. But it's through faith and patience you and I inherit the promises of God. There is truly no other way. You see, God knows how to give a clearly detailed instruction. He gave Noah building plans for a massive boat. He gave Moses such detailed plans to build the tabernacle. When God doesn't give us details, it's because he wants us to wait. The, the difference between a closed door and an open door is very obvious. It's either closed or it's open. When God is silent, what are you and I supposed to be doing? This is a place where it's our greatest faith dilemma. We come up with all sorts of spiritual gymnastics. We could all probably get Olympic medals for the gymnastics we do with the spiritual promises of God. What are we supposed to do? Wait. Everybody say it. Wait. If he hasn't said anything, what are you supposed to do? Wait. 
see, staying in Durban meant I needed to wait. I had no idea what God was doing. He did not say to me, stay in Durban, and then this is what I'm going to do, and then I'm going to follow it up with that, and then this, and then that, and then this, and then that, and that. He just said stay. That's as far as we got. So I'm staying, but I'm like you. I'm like, God, what's happening? What are we doing here? What are you doing next? I'm getting tired of waiting, Lord. I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry to get on with my life. What, what, I need to know. I need to know what you're doing. Why are you doing this? And in this place, God began to minister to me so powerfully, and it has changed my life forever and changed my walk with him forever. He said to me, Chantal, patience is the breeding ground of miracles. He said, if you want to come into your miracle, you're going to have to be patient, girl. He said, you know why so many of my people miss my miracles? It's because they're in a hurry. They won't wait. You see, I was supposed to be in Durban. God didn't give me all the details because I didn't need to know it then. But that's where I met my husband. And we have been married for 21 years. My next God-given assignment was in Durban, raising our blended family, our five children for Jesus Christ. Now, had I gone down to Egypt and made my own way, I would have missed what God had purposed for me. You see, we either wait for God or we don't. There's no in-between. You don't wait a little bit for God. Yeah, I did wait, and then I didn't know. You either wait for God or you don't. There is no other option. And when we don't, we end up going down to Egypt. So in the mess of life, if you and I are not going to go down to Egypt, we got to choose the more difficult way, and we got to wait longer than we want to. I'm not a fan of either of them. And number three, we will need to endure through some difficulties. You see, because if you and I are going to choose the narrow road, and if we are going to wait longer than we want to, while Assyrians are planning their attack, and our livelihoods are under threat, and our futures look bleak, and we have a famine, then we're going to have to endure through some difficult seasons, some difficult stuff, while we wait for God to act. Much like King David did. There's a reason God calls David a man after his own heart. You know, David chose the more difficult way when he chose not to kill King Saul, who was trying to kill him. That would have been, to me, that was logical. This man is hunting you, kill him. David said, no, I won't touch God's anointed. He chose the more difficult way. He also chose to wait longer than he wanted to, to come into the promise God had declared over his life. And as a result... He had to leave his wife, his family, 
his home, his country, and live like a fugitive in fields and caves for 15 years. Theologians say that David was probably anointed as king around the age of 15. Some say he could have been younger by the prophet Samuel. He only started reigning as king when he was 30. For all of that time, David lived on the run as a fugitive. Can you imagine the kind of difficulties he had to endure as he chose that narrow road and waited longer than he wanted to for God to act? We can read some of it in the Bible, but I'm sure there's many things that David went through that are not there. You see, as a single mom with two small children in Durban, I had to endure through some difficulties in that season. Financial pressure, parenting pressure, work pressure, no family, on my own. I had to endure through some difficulties. It wasn't easy. As I waited for God and his plans to unfold. And it's in this place that you and I experience our greatest spiritual fallout in the place of enduring. This is where Egypt looks its most inviting, right? This is when that broad road is its most tempting. Because this is where we throw in the towel and we give up because it's hard. There's suffering. It's not pleasant. You know, this is where we start with the, the spiritual gymnastics. I mean, we start thinking, well, why must I persevere in my country through a period of change? Why must I stay here? This country is going to rack and ruin. Haven't you watched the news? Don't you see what's going on? Why must I stay here? I can just leave. Now listen, if God is telling you to leave, leave. Follow God. But don't choose the broad road like Israel was without consulting God. He says, you're making plans and you haven't even asked me if they're mine. You're heading in a direction and you haven't even asked me if it's the right one. You're making alliances and you're looking for to put your trust and your faith in things that are not me. They can't save, they can't deliver. He says, turn to me in quietness and in trust. That's your safe place. So if you and I are going to turn to him in quietness and trust in the difficult places, we have need of endurance. Look at Hebrews 10, 36. For you have need of endurance that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Notice something there, that we have to do the will of God before we receive the promise. What are we waiting for? The will of God. This is why patience is the breeding ground of miracles. To receive God's promises or your breakthrough. How many of you need a breakthrough in a situation? How many of you are waiting on a promise that he's made you? We must patiently endure until he acts. 
that means you are gonna, and I are going to have to persevere through some difficult stuff. I'm enduring a 15-year struggle of my own. It in no way compares to David's, and it probably in no way compares to yours. But my elderly parents in their late 70s live on a piece of land that they've owned for most of their lives. And it's become a prime development piece of land. And I've been trying to sell it for them because their entire retirement is in that land. They have no retirement with anyone else. It's in that land. And for 15 years, we have had one hindrance, one obstacle after another. I've had deals on those properties that have tied us in for two years, and then we make plans, and then it falls through. Stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. In the meantime, Stu and I have had to endure through a difficult season where we've had to provide for my parents. It's a big piece of land. We have to provide for that upkeep. There, there are challenges. We're concerned for my parents. It's a big piece of land. There's security concerns. There's, there's upkeep concerns. There's financial concerns. We have pri- I have prayed and fasted so much for this land. I truly have lost count. But I know he has it. And I know that he's going to do it but I have to wait until he does. Let me tell you the temptation to make my own way and go down to Egypt is huge. It's huge. To throw in the towel and give up, it's been huge. You see, often when we make it past choosing the narrow road, we falter in the waiting because we haven't developed endurance. Our breaking point comes in the waiting and the enduring. This is where our temptation to make our own way out is huge. God says we have need of endurance, so he works by his spirit the capacity in us to endure. We're not born with it. He's got to work it into our lives. He's got to, we've got to partner with him and let him work endurance into our spiritual man, into our spiritual lives as a spiritual discipline so that he can move us in his will into all the promises. He can't do it if you and I don't have endurance, if we can't endure with him. You know, that that chapter in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, that faith chapter, by faith, this and this and this, by faith, this and this and this. Abraham never even saw the promises in his whole lifetime. He died without coming into the fulfillment of it, but he's there in that chapter, by faith. That by faith comes by enduring. If we don't have the faith, we can't endure. If we have faith, but we don't endure, we can't come into the promises of God. So I want to close with a story that highlights the importance of our need to endure. We find it in Matthew 25. It's the parable of the ten virgins. The context in this day, when a couple got married, the bridesmaids would wait at the bridegroom's house at night. And they were generally virgins. That's why it's called the virgins, the parable of the virgins. And their their purpose of waiting there was that the bridegroom would bring his new bride back to his house, and they would run out with their lamps, their lights, and form a little welcoming 
party to bring them and welcome the new bride and the new, the new couple into their new home. That's the context. So, so they're waiting at the house for the bridegroom and to bring his bride home. But here's the thing. The bridegroom's delayed. He's not coming when he should have come. So now, now there's a problem because five of the virgins, the Bible calls are unwise, didn't bring extra oil with them. They didn't have the capacity for waiting longer than they thought they should need to. The other five had extra oil. Jesus calls them the wise virgins. So, so the ones that didn't have oil, in order to fulfill the purpose they were there for, they had to leave the house and quickly run and get more oil. And while they did that, the bridegroom came with his bride. And they missed it. Now I want you to notice something, that the problem came in when the bridegroom was delayed, but the problem was not in the lamps. All ten had a lamp. The problem was not in the oil. All ten had access to oil. The problem was not even in the time they waited because they all had to wait the same time. The problem was in how much oil each virgin had held. So these are high odds. Jesus is giving us a very clear message. He's saying to you and me, listen, there's a 50-50% chance you're either going to endure or you're not when it comes to you waiting on me for something. He's saying these are high odds. I'm warning you now. Build capacity to hold extra oil. Be like the five wise virgins so that you are there when I'm ready to act so that you are there when I bring your breakthrough to your doorstep, so that you are there when I'm bringing you into the fulfillment of the promises I have made you. I need you to be there. If I come and you're not there, you're going to miss it. Because we do not know the hour nor the day when our breakthrough's coming or when our promise is going to be fulfilled. I wish, I wish I could tell you that hour and the day but I can't. For certain, our breakthrough is certain. In Christ, we overcome. We have the victory. But we need endurance. I want you to notice something else as well. They asked the five unwise virgins, please give me some of your oil. And they said, no, we can't. I can't endure your situation for you. And you can't endure my situation for me. That's why I can't give you my oil. That's why you can't give me your oil for endurance. That's why we all have to get our own oil. We all have to do exercise with the Holy Spirit. So he builds that capacity in us to personally endure with the journey he has us on. Because we can't endure for one another. We need our own oil. So let's stand. What are you waiting for? What have you stopped waiting for? 
Where have you, just close your eyes and get alone with the Holy Spirit. What have you thrown the towel in on? Is it a promise he's given you? Have you deviated off the narrow road because it's just got too hard? What area are you seeking breakthrough in right now? What answer do you need from God? What question are you asking him that you're putting before him right now and you're needing an answer? I want to pray for you. Won't you just few minutes of silence, just let the Holy Spirit minister to you right now. Lord, we need your oil. We need the oil of endurance. You have told us clearly this morning that we don't need to find solutions in our nation. We don't need to know where we're going. We don't need to know what's next. You're saying to us loudly and clearly, we need the oil of endurance so that we can turn to you continually in quietness and trust even in the chaos and the mayhem of everything that's going on around us. Father, we have need of endurance because your word tells us that it's just going to keep getting worse. You have told us that things on this earth, in this world, will just keep increasing and getting worse until you come again. The answer is not that we find the perfect place to live. The answer is not that we have the perfect situation to, to live and have our being in. Lord, you've told us that that is not a reality. But Lord, that you are saying to us this morning, we have need of endurance. We have need of developing personal spiritual capacity together with you to hold the oil of your spirit to endure and patiently persevere through many, many things that must, that must still take place around us in our lives, Lord. And so, Father, we are desperate before you this morning because we know each and every one of us that we do not have it within us to endure and to wait on you for your will to inherit your promises. We know our own hearts and our own conditions. And so we're crying out to you this morning, Lord, that you would help us. Would you help us by your spirit to stay engaged with you so that you could build capacity for us to endure? And will you pour your oil of your spirit into our spirit, man? Strengthen us, Lord, and help us to endure this current hardship we each going through. Will you help us, Lord? Lord, we're crying out to you for your help this morning. Will you help us, Jesus?
Will you help us to be those five wise virgins that you will find waiting for you to come with the answers, Lord? Would you help us, Father? We ask it together in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord.